0: Psychomedia, audio cortex for a visual world. Hello, Psychomediaers, and welcome to issue 15 of Psychomedia, the world's leading podcast combining psychology, comedy, and media. 15, of course, is the number of minutes of fame that Andy Warhol designated. Uh, And, of course, we all know that fame lasts uh, one hour 20, i.e. the length of this show. This is for the week ending the 16th of December 2011, with me, Timothy Swan, in the congested, bright and architecturally confused city of Worcester and in the magnificent, dazzling, probably cold and temporally distant city, well, state of New York. It's the most real scientist that I've spoken to this week, the punk responsible for all of the puns. The man who puts the metal into... Uh, tell someone else about your problems. And the Leviathan whose dominion over this podcast keeps us vaguely on topic and away from deeply disturbing tirades against starlets. It's Ben Fell.
1: Hello, Tim. Hello, Psycho media This week, I am truly the John Oliver to your Andy Holtzman. I am in America, baby. Oh, yeah. USA. Uh, USA. 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 Specifically, I'm in New York. The state, not the city. And if all goes to plan, I will soon have a job as a correspondent on The Daily Show, completing the the like weird cloning system that this podcast has turned into. Um, that you, last bit was a lie, amazing. but I am in New York, which is the main thing.
0: It's pretty amazing. That's why we're doing this, really. Instead of just really putting is. out a uh, Franken-podcast, we're putting out a Bride Franken-podcast, <laughs> doing half the show actually live on the night, and then the hard and difficult bits we're taking out of the past and bringing back into the present.
1: You say say live on the night, but the fact is this is all (laughs) pre-recorded. It's it's just, it feels live to us because we're actually to each other as opposed to just ashing together that we've already done.
0: Yeah, that's true. And it means that Ben has to actually contribute, so, you know. Yes. However,
1: um, what I point out at... You know, the state is gorgeous. The house that I'm staying in is amazing, and there is an awful lot of delicious food, wonderful countryside, and specifically ready access to uh, the girlfriend's dad, wine cellar <laughs> you know, that I was going to prepare properly for a full episode this week. So this may be a little bit haphazard. Eh, sorry, guys, blame America.
0: <laughs> a Thank little, little sure. bit haphazard, which is what we uh, obviously promised we would never do. Uh, so our first section going straight in the bin this week (laughs) it's feedback presumably no it's bugle update section (laughs) straight in the bin the news that the bugle is being let go by the times and we're going to have to a stop paying for it b they're going to have to find some other way to do it or c it's going to stop happening tim you should totally offer to produce for them (laughs) the problem is not sadly that they lack a producer the problem is that they lack money to pay the stars to take a day off to do it apparently uh and uh john oliver just didn't make enough money out of the smurfs to fund it for you know (laughs) perpetuity uh he used to do four truly awful movies that's correct um but (laughs) yes we genuinely we do have feedback uh we have a few things um i'll go first because that's my uh thing uh we've had it no...
1: so as an englishman
0: <laughs> yes we came first and america came second um <laughs> so we're going to be allotting that kind of ordering in, so if we do anything nuclear you can go first as in war <laughs> <laughs> yeah you turned up so late for this podcast but unfortunately we still had to rely on you who's the soviet union <laughs> allergy Wow. <laughs> so yeah uh, Winterbay commented on uh, psychomedia.wordpress.com I never realised how similar the techniques for MRI and NMR are which is a hard sentence. to say. but it's basically <laughs> the same thing done in different ways uh, which means I now know a lot more about MRIs than I ever thought I would um, also didn't Mythbusters test and debunk the metal based inks can explode in an MRI thing uh, he says that Mythbusters is not necessarily the best source um but uh I don't know. I don't watch my- it. I, I mean Mythbusters is all very good and I, I
1: think it's an excellent show. Didn't they didn't they destroy someone's house recently? Um
0: so, <laughs> yes, explosions which, like, most episodes.
1: Safety procedures, the safety procedures in for MRI have never destroyed someone's house. So with them.
0: <laughs> uh And uh, from our friend Sam P, Sam Pfeiffer, said Thanks for another great episode. Provided some much-needed laughter during this week of final exams and essays. I don't know if I achieved flow writing my papers, but it was worth a try. We hope you've achieved enough flow. Some flow, as we talked about last week. Glacial flow. uh, Who is presumably staring at you right now, Ben? America? America, do you read me? America? Ooh, I could do uh, America, I've given you all, and now I'm nothing. America, $2.27. January 17th, 1956. Sorry, I tried to call America. I thought the best way to do it was from some Allen Ginsberg. Okay. I
1: think I've solved the problem. Am my time through
0: okay now? Yeah, fine. Well, fine-ish. Okay,
1: what I'm literally doing, I'm putting the tablet that I'm recording this... On top of the wireless router.
0: <laughs> okay, then.
1: And gently rubbing them together in the hope that this will uh, solve things. The only problem with this, though, is um, well, actually, it might be a positive. The room that I was sitting in before has a lovely open fire in one corner of it, um, which is much warmer. A podcast that meant that there was a slight, this podcast fire. And now I'm downstairs, it's amazing of the room router in. So, you know, I
0: might die. Ben, yeah. well you know your sacrifice you will, be, these colonies. will be uh, accepted by our listeners uh basically i i monologued the whole time you were out so you don't need to worry about that uh i'll just carry on with a little bit more uh feedback uh i saw my uh friends you've heard of my friends ben uh, <laughs> uh I've, ben.
1: Awesome. I've never seen any evidence
0: for those oh <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Pretty topical. Um, no, uh, and it turns out like a minority of my friends listen to the show, so that was nice. Um, yeah. But those that who do cool. listen like it. Um, and indeed, I had a postcard from one of our absent friends, but we did manage a tri continental Skype, which was pretty epic. Georgia wow. in Asia, uh, two locations in the UK in Europe, and New Jersey in the USA. But I had a postcard from that very place in New Jersey from our friend Jane saying, I've been enjoying Psychomedia. It's not the whole thing. It said that would be a bit weird. She'd said, uh, you know, normal things, but also. I've been enjoying Psychomedia and thinking about you and Ben with slightly exasperated fondness. I thought really, <laughs> slightly exasperated <laughs> fondness is really the most we can hope for from yeah, our friends.: That is the best thing we can hope for.: uh, It's good. Um, thank you, whatever friend that may have been. That, that was Jane, our American friend. Okay. You're near her. You could go and thank her in person. You're only about, like, five minutes. Oh, wait, no, you're not in the city, are you? You're only about, like, four hours away from New Jersey, right? I don't think I think It's probably... There's probably a bus. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a bus, like, anywhere. Presumably you could get, with the right combination of buses, a bus all the way to, like, Los Angeles. It would just take a long time.
1: Well, we we were planning on making fajitas the other night, and I I made some comments the fact that we're marginally closer to the Fijito's land of origin and uh, the girlfriend points out that we are now significantly closer and i wasn't entirely sure until i looked it up on maps and we for about yeah two-thirds the week, and they're in a sea the way and so basically i'm in mexico
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> don't get killed in those drug wars probably shouldn't say that in case <laughs> Mexican listeners um although it's good advice Mexican <laughs> listeners <laughs> I haven't been able to get the maps overlay to load on our RSS analysis site because Google are well known for having, you know, broken products that don't work. Oh, wait. No, they're not. Why doesn't it work? (laughs) I see. Is that all your feedback? That's all my feedback. Have you had any feedback? Do you want to get some feedback right now? Well, no, I mean, just be like, give me some feedback. (laughs)
1: Not really. She's kind of busy, but uh, I would have feedback. Um, but I didn't have time to check it, because I'm in lockdown, I'm in America, and I don't have time for your feedback.
0: Yeah, you can't really <laughs> shout over this connection. <laughs> America, Tim. It's America. It's like the furthest I've ever been. Oh, yeah, um, we discussed this last week, didn't we?
1: <laughs> I can remember if we mentioned it or not. But yeah, yeah, you pointed fact- out that
0: it's the furthest you've flown, let alone the furthest you've ever been. Yes, it is.
1: A list of many things.
0: Um, did you have
1: a nice flight? I did actually. It was surprisingly good. I mean, I was like basically sort of existentially terrified. I don't think I don't get frightened of flying. It turns out mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't really know before I stepped on the plane. Um, I think I was more concerned about having to pass through U.S. immigration than anything else. Um, turned out to quite a long time, but I didn't, you know, get sort of probed in any way or uh, anything particularly terrible happened to me. i looked sure like sure that I showed it over so that I looked as neat as possible.
0: Yeah. Did you look like your passport photo? Because that's really the key thing to do. I, I, looked, I mean, my face, I
1: guess, probably looked like it. I haven't had any major surgery. My hair is significantly different.
0: The issue this um, is the thing but, that causes me trouble. Yeah, but I didn't seem to mind.
1: Um, but yeah, no, the flight was, was relatively was relatively uh, calm. And also, it leads to one of the things that I've done this week, which is watch the film. Well done. Which you probably weren't expecting that I managed to do. But, well, I thought uh, yeah. you might try and
0: find a theatre showing the Muppets, but what film did you watch? Well, uh, the, it was Cowboys and Aliens
1: was one of the two films on the internet entertainment that I hadn't seen before. The other one was Contagion. Um, <laughs> and I Cheery. Episode an enjoyable Cowboys and aliens was good though it's like essentially an extended man-off between Harrison
0: Ford and Daniel Craig's pets um, I really I she, thought it was a man-off between Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde
1: <laughs> um, yeah she, I couldn't quite the character I think she, she was doing her best with not a lot to work with um, the plot made very little sense at all but yeah it's all in the title really everything you need to know about the plot <laughs> No, well, yeah, exactly. um, The fact that the aliens uh, have come to Earth seeking gold, you know, obvious, really. There must, there can't be anywhere else they might have to gold. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. And it passed the gratuitously long seven hours that it took for me to get here.
0: God, did you um, just watch it over and over and over again? Yes, <laughs> that is what I did because I felt there
1: were some nuances of, uh, and subtlety that I missed the first time.
0: <laughs> or was it like the extended director's cut? <laughs> Actually, that's a good idea. If you're going on a plane, take Lord of the Rings with you yeah, <laughs> and a portable DVD player.
1: Just a full version of Lawrence for Arabia. I think that's like six hours long it's it's like
0: in the middle. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was uh, I assume you managed to avoid doing an Alec Baldwin. yes so on the one Um, hand you didn't get kicked off on the flight on the other hand you haven't been cast in 30 rock
1: (laughs) this is true neither of these things have happened to me yet Um, although as I've said I I do have designs on the daily show
0: (laughs) well Um, people go out of being daily show correspondents into movies you can think of it as like a 10 year plan (laughs) I'm only here for a week (laughs) you've always been a high achiever Ben (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, um, but I mean, like, the main the main exciting thing is, like, being in America, which is it's interesting, like, it's, it's not immediately, obviously different. It's not like when you go to Europe, you, you emerge from whatever your piece of transportation you're in, and you know, it's clear that you're somewhere different. And you get out of, I mean, the first real sign, the first moment after that happened where I was convinced that I was actually in another country was when I left in England. And it wasn't American. It wasn't the TV shows like Welcome to America, all around the world. It was the fact that the airport smelled pungently of coffee, and therefore <laughs> I convinced that I was in New York. Um, however, once you sort of get out out of the city and like in New York State, you start to notice some weird things. There's a lot of space. People, I guess people do say this, like there's more space in America, which is just obvious looking at it geographically. But you really don't, know, you don't. Quite, quite a, what that means. You like, drive a mile and just see one house. In England, you drive from, in like the remote parts of Scotland, you like drive for a mile and see five houses like, huddling together for warmth. Whereas in America, they did the one big giant house and like presumably heat it with like, I don't know, unicorn pelt or something.
0: Yeah, is it proportionately bigger? It's the same amount of house, it's yeah. just differently distributed.
1: Yes. Also, every, yeah We're going to, the groceries and so that we didn't starve on our first night in the house which as i mentioned is in the middle of nowhere and everything in the supermarket or whatever it is that they call it over here like the, the mega mart or something was just enormous like it was impossible to get containers of juice
0: smaller than a gallon and they're not even proper gallons are they they're bigger than gallons <laughs> Extra large gallons. Imperial gallons weren't <laughs> big enough for them. They had to make them bigger. America,
1: where our units of measurement are larger than in other places. Um, <laughs> That's basically the case.
0: That's why they've never joined the metric system, is because they want a meter to consist of, you know, like 110 centimeters.
1: <laughs> yes. But anyway, yeah, so um, I am staying in, in Land England. And- State, which bears a striking resemblance to the Yorkshire Wars, um, at least the bit of it that I'm sitting in does, um, I'm staying in my girlfriend's family farm, uh, which is farm in the American sense of the word, um, which uh, if you translate it into classical British English means country now. Okay. This is very, very big. When I asked the girlfriend how many beds, I actually had, I think if you have to count the bedrooms but when being asked, there are too many bedrooms.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could put it that way. I was just going to say a farm upstate. Isn't that where, like, pets who die in New York City get sent?
1: Well, I haven't seen it. There's there an unfortunate moment with a squirrel a squirrel trapped by the kitchen um, because apparently we got an email just before we uh, were due to travel out from um, the girlfriend's mum saying, hey guys, hope you really enjoy the... By the way these squirrels in the beds, uh, which we haven't seen any evidence of, and we have only seen one slightly, you know, damaged squirrel in a trap. So presumably the trappers have been doing their job. Uh, but yes, uh, the, the beds do squeak a lot, but I don't think it's due to squirrels.
0: I'm not going to make any further inquiries onto the acoustics of the mm-hmm. beds. You had to go there, didn't you? you? just had to go there. It's not my fault. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure whose anyway, fault it is. <laughs> the universe is. Fates. <laughs> yeah. My life uh, circumstances. So, what
1: have you been doing this week, Tim? Presumably nothing so exciting as being an America, baby.
0: Woo! So, yeah, this is the thing. is I had a job and I didn't really do much of it. The Old Republic came out, but you basically know what I've been doing on that because it's the same as what I was doing in the beta test.
1: Uh, <laughs> I a similar level of age from me. It, but I got my access to it the day I flew. Damn lie, aware. Damn you, you to ter- Like, yeah. Damn you, Freud.
0: To, to Texas. Oh wait, that's <laughs> where you are. Um, <laughs> <a little> excessive. <laughs> yeah, I apologise. I shouldn't, shouldn't ever condemn anyone to Texas. Texas might well be very nice. I've never been. I don't. I haven't been any further west than the westernmost point of Ireland. Um, Does this mean I'm now winning? You're winning at West, but I'm winning at East, basically. <laughs> if we say that the international dateline is the, like the Terminator, um, then uh, the new McG Terminator 5 film is going to be quite bad, but better acting than, uh, than Arnie. I mean, better acting than Arnie. Like, He's good in the Terminator, actually, surprisingly.
1: What, what the one where it's entirely computer-generated?
0: No, no, not in Terminator Salvation. Oh, okay. As in, he's good in the first (laughs) two movies. Okay. Um, No, so the only thing I've really done this week is um, been subject to my father's TV viewing habits, um, which is what happens whenever I hang around the house a lot. My father is pretty much addicted to... No, it's not true. Um, There's a newish channel on Freeview recently called Challenge TV that shows reruns of old quiz shows. (laughs) So anyway, no. having watched a bit of this, I've come up with a brand new game show. Oh, wow. it's, oh, a little, it's a little bit derivative of a current one. Basically, it's taking the concept of uh, the million pound drop, in which obviously you have prizes, and if you get the question wrong, they drop through a hatch, uh, with the uh, game shows of the 80s, where the top prize is a car. So I call <laughs> it the Mercedes-Benz drop. <laughs> It would be
1: even better if the uh, contestants had to sit underneath the uh, the top prize, and uh, there are like a series of hatches, and uh, the car. Every time they get a question wrong, the car plummets ever closer to them. So you're kind of combining it there with the uh, the principles of what was it? The show, on, the show on TV where like um, obnoxious children got to bring in their like hassled and and harried carers, who were then be the
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you sympathize with the parents and get your own back the title of the show like when it, you were a child as well
1: you uh, yeah, i genuinely did like i was listening listen to the interviews that they did with just horrible and they'd be like yeah my, my dad sometimes makes me do my homework it's terrible and the banal, vacant CBBC host to be like, oh, that's terrible. Shall we them then? and like... Dave minute, Benson Phillips. You should respect I the really? name. <laughs> it's quite a long... It's a, it's a long name. It's worth respecting. Um, the, uh, the the best. Episode, had a child. I can't really put a name to that face. The name, the name face.
0: The, the 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 best episodes of Get Your Own Back were definitely the episodes uh, in that were special season finale episodes in which they wouldn't have parents or carers. They would have like special celebrity guests, uh, yeah. which I believe she included does. Dave Benson Phillips himself being put in the chair for putting all the people in the gunge. <laughs> at which point the. He was like, yeah, but who's going to host? You can't do that. The host of the BBC, CBBC's Prime Other Gunge-based show, who I believe was called Pete Reed from Run the Risk, turned up and was like, I'm an expert in gunge. I can host the show. It's just like, man, it was like Inception for kids, but with gunge. The level of meta going on in that episode was insane. I believe that he was competing against Mr. Blobby, that well-hated Kids' TV show person because they're all kids. Watch Noel's house party.
1: Mr. Blobby was deeply, deeply disturbing. Yeah. So the thing, not having had a TV at, like in a house as a child, this all that I saw of this stuff was like snippets of it around other
0: people's, and they always just filled me with horror. Did you feel like you were more cultured than the kids who had TV?
1: Not necessarily
0: more cultured. I was just better at Lego. <laughs> Those two things are essentially synonymous. Oh, yeah, I think
1: so. It should be a new international measure of, like, development for nations. How good they are. You
0: know, I mean, it would have unfairly favoured Denmark, I imagine.
1: <laughs> I think Denmark are pretty, you know, they're pretty well developed. They should,
0: uh, by rights. Oh, yeah, they, Denmark uh, are brilliant <laughs> at everything, apart from maybe, you know, multiculturalism, but... <laughs> Yeah, there it's that. <laughs> you but, you know, yeah, Scandinavia is great, apparently. We're going to sure. go there at some point, aren't we? We could record an episode it. from On the Road. That'd be pretty cool. We should. We should do a psychology road trip around Scandinavia
1: um, on the way to meet our three-married and recently just best friend. I got a message from the, the friend who is going to cause us to go to Scandinavia um, from the wedding dress shop where her father was at that moment by wedding
0: dress. Wow, um, of course, Father of the Bride, first. I'd forgotten about that. My parents are very glad that they have three sons. <laughs> yeah. And so, one of them will no doubt never be married, but... Um, <laughs> the week's
1: competition, which of $10, will never get dances answers on a postcard?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if anyone sends in any other than me, then I'll think they're being pretty mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you
0: didn't your brothers listen to the podcast uh yes they do yeah actually my brother did give me some feedback it was like you the this dinosaur was the one that was made up i think he said the brontosaurus because i'd forgotten in the ramachandran episode uh, good feedback. he listened to a whole lo- lo- load in a row and that i think was the only thing he had to say oh he said there was one bit that really made him laugh but i can't remember what that bit was i think <laughs> well, it was tough. you rather than me and then it was my We're reaction ready. Something like well, that. Well, he's
1: probably thoroughly sick of you, so uh, quite wise to this podcast, I'm not sure.
0: Well, I can tell him now, when he catches up with this in about, like, a year's time, because he's that far behind, <laughs> that the feeling is mutual. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: History burst. <laughs> <there. laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, what, any other, like, thoughts and observations about America in the time you've been there? Um, it's
1: pretty cold. We had a little bit of snow when we arrived, so that was fun. That is a very British way of dealing with a. Aqu- which you haven't, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, on arriving at the airport, we uh, got a very nice, uh, got a very, we got a perfectly functional taxi, um, but uh, who, the taxi driver um, showed, like pointed me in the direction, of, like which direction New York City actually was. You can see it for this. Um, When we were stuck in traffic coming out of New York City, um, the first yellow New York taxi that I saw had an advert on top for a gentleman. Escort agency, so uh, a gentleman's escort agency, an escort agency, and/or a gentleman's club. Um, so that was a, an
0: excellent. I, I guess cool. combining the two is quite a good idea, really, because you get a sort of preview.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like uh, Netflix splitting into the um, like the 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 DVD and the uh, streaming service.
0: Yeah, that is a, <laughs> a fascinatingly accurate comparison. <laughs>
1: Not from any experience of either of the uh, business, I assure you. But uh, yeah, so I mean, to be honest, I haven't really seen much like America or Americanness. Um, I ha- oh, that was it today. I had a ba- not one but two bagels, um, <laughs> which I think I probably, knew have. I probably have had bagel before in the. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, smoked salmon and cheese, which I think is probably like the international ambassador of bageldom. Um, but this morning I was like, I want a bagel, but I want to impose like uh, some some English culture on it. So um, I had jam and butter bagel, um, which was I, I was hoping for cloth so I could make storm day, but uh, they didn't have any.
0: Oh, that's so, that's tragic. It's almost as if it's a thing that they don't really have there. Um, was it jam <laughs> though? Was it really jam, or was it jelly? Well,
1: no, well, it said conserve on the side, which okay. I think be the American term for jam.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely I mean, been... you can use it in English. It just makes you like indispensably posh. Yeah. Um, so
1: yeah, I think I think I'm I'm holding up relatively well. Stress. The fact of the matter is, there isn't really that much culture around to experience. Given, as mentioned previously, we're being in the middle of nowhere.
0: And you're in America. Um, I mean, you know. But um. Then. I'm feeling all Oscar Wilde without you, clearly. <laughs> because you've always been so near to me and so present <laughs> in my life for all of the other episodes. Relatively speaking. Well, yes, relatively speaking. I could work out the distance, I suppose, if I wanted to do anything for the show notes. To be honest, I haven't thought about the show notes until about when we started the episode. So
1: <laughs> I was just like, well, oh, no. Depending on you, uh, when you send it out, I might see if I can get a photo of me like standing on some America.
0: Um, okay, yeah, email it to me, that'd be a, great. There's a lot of bits of
1: American so i probably find one that nobody's using.
0: <laughs> you can claim it for your own.
1: Yeah, well, let me claim read one. Well, that was a massive lull. We could probably cut that bit out.
0: <laughs> thing is now right okay when we we're in our first year of university one of us heard the fact and told the other the fact that approximately every seven minutes conversation naturally lulls and then whenever conversation lulled in about our first term of university we would mentioned that fact trouble yeah. is there's only so many times you can do that trouble is now uh, whenever conversation lulls I think of that fact it's like losing the game. Um oh, the game. Um, I stopped but, playing. Uh, <laughs> well, you stopped but, playing and then you took it up again for finals. Isn't that what happened?
1: That is essentially what happened. Anyone who reads the webcomic XKCD uh, or has done for the past couple of uh, years will know that at some point XKCD saved us from the game. Uh, for those of you who don't know... Uh, You're going to be very obsessed about it uh, when I tell you. But the game uh, is um, uh, a game, a sort of mental game that has, one of which is, uh, if you think of the game, you lose the game. And the other of which is, if you lose the game, you have to tell everyone around you that you just lost the game. And then there's 20 minutes. There's like a grace period of 20 minutes before you can lose the game again. And it is basically a kind of uh, uh, (laughs) cycle-induced Once start losing the game, it's very difficult to stop, and it can also attach itself to like objects or places. I used to uh, used to be a guy who uh, introduced the game. We used to have one particular class together in one particular classroom, and it got to the stage that if we even walked past the building that that (laughs) room was in, we would immediately lose the game. Um, Also, if ever of a sure of at any other point we would immediately lose the game and it just got a bit over the top really I think the only reason that, that it didn't kind of continuing to include entire school left to go to university
0: yeah where you had fewer associations and eventually you managed to quit slash be freed or whatever but yeah so um, we don't have to ca- cut natural lulls, do we it's <laughs> we naturalistic just, this no is fact. what we're really like <laughs> Ask anyone who knows us. This is not, like, an act at all.
1: (laughs) No, we really are this
0: unprofessional. (laughs) I'm professional. I'm just professional things that aren't this.
1: You are now, like, officially the more professional of the two.
0: Well, yeah, I have paid employment, whereas you just get money. (laughs) And you have to do things, but they're not real things, right? This is what I'm going to be like. As soon as I've got the head start on the professional careers, in a sense... I'll just be like, yeah, doing a real job. (laughs) This is...
1: But, uh, it is true, the things that I spend my funding on generally on um, the internet. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was, like, distressingly ambiguous. I meant computer games.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, uh, have been working on a project today. I was supposed to be working on my novel, and, uh you know, the, uh, the, the really controversial one. My brother says, is that the racist one? It's like, well, yes, in the sense that it's the one that you call the racist one. <laughs> it's very nuanced. Yeah, I
1: think that would be the issue, is, is finding that fine line, which we have, you've had some practice at in these podcasts.
0: I oh, even made a reference to more. it in the introduction.
1: <laughs> Maybe more podcasts on extremely sensitive and dangerous
0: issues (laughs) actually have said that someone did ask me on the week during twitter just like uh it was something like how about we do emma watson something like that which out of context it sounded so horrendous um but uh because i'd said ask me about emma watson sometime let me find it uh yeah, just what about Emma Watson sometime? Just, just like that sounds so creepy. <laughs> but the uh, no, someone the point is, we're no, not doing not that this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save it for another day. I'll save it for a day when I'm angry. Ah, <laughs> oh, how can you be angry? It's nearly Christmas. Exactly. I, I'm. I'm I've sent out all my presents uh, by post, um, so I've just got the ones for the family left, and um, I got a Christmas card or two today. That was nice. That is nice. That is
1: like a Christmas podcast. So we probably should end on Happy Christmas to all.
0: I think. Have um, we not got one more before Christmas? Um, I think we have. I don't. Well,
1: I certainly am not intending to do one. Isn't Christmas unlike? A uh, 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 Sunday or something. Yeah. When is
0: Christmas? Um, I think that it is on a. Uh, it's on a Sunday, yeah. Um, it's like a week on Sunday.
1: Yeah. I will be getting back from uh, uh, America on like the Wednesday before that. So I'm going to be jet lagged for two days. Okay. Uh, and then. We're not really be wanting to record a podcast.
0: Sorry, guys. Okay, because um, we okay. did have some, <laughs> you can we up. did have something penciled sure. in, but if you want me to do, you know, half an hour of just me talking egomaniacally yeah. into the mic, like, I don't have too much problem doing that.
1: <laughs> You're welcome to do that if you want. Uh, and I may even turn up, but I, I can't make any promises. <laughs> we'll see what's happening. We'll do. see what's happening next week. This is the sort- we shall. This is the sort of conversation we usually take the heart of the podcast, you know. Arranging other podcasts, not exactly comedy
0: gold. Um, yeah, you should uh, listen. You should listen to before. some of the, you know, other rambly podcasts that are out there. This is absolutely fine.
1: <laughs> Tightly controlled, streamlined banter. Uh, anyway, um, what I was going to say was about Christmas. So Christmas is awesome. Um, and yeah, entire, one of the things that I've been spending my funding on recently is more than I've ever bought for people. Um, which is, it's, it's kind of a, an, uh, a result of my current uh, physical location because the girlfriend's family have very kindly allowed me to come and live in their ridiculously nice house in New York State week. Um, I feel bound to repay them in some small way by buying them all Christmas presents. The problem is there's an awful lot of them, um, and like a family of seven, which for my personal experiences living in a family composed of myself and my two parents plus two horses, uh, who do give Christmas presents, it must be said. Um, it, it's just a little bit much, so um, there what we started uh, a US van arrived with about 400 weight of boxes in the back,
0: hopefully, which will all contained wonderful. Things. So, you're genuinely being uh, Father Christmas? I'm genuinely
1: being sorry. Erica was angry at the connection. <laughs> um, it's probably the CIA just listening
0: in. Uh, yeah, I think technically the NSA is responsible for the whole listening in business. Ah, well, hi NSA. Shout out to the NSA. Yeah, all of our listeners at the NSA and the GCHQ. Ooh, I know someone who works at GCHQ. <laughs> I bet that, they... That other secret...
1: <laughs> the other secret organisation that we
0: mustn't name. <laughs> what? What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got to change that <laughs> joke to be the FSB, because seriously, we have listeners from that country now, and it just won't be cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We wouldn't that do? It. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Let's move on from that.
0: Well, we um, should probably be uh, wrapping up, as it were, not our present, but our <laughs> podcast.
1: Yeah. Number. <No>, excellent. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Um, happy Christmas from uh, from Psycho Media. If you don't hear from us before Christmas, then have an excellent Christmas and holiday. There'll probably be one. Like, between Christmas and New Year's, this is the plan. Yeah, and I'll Um, get a
0: franken of some description out uh, for the week before Christmas, in case you're bored on (laughs) Christmas Eve.
1: (laughs) We do have an awful lot of uh, crap floating
0: around, basically. Well, we won't. By 2012, we won't, because over the next two weeks, it's all being turned into beautiful sausages. (laughs) Oh dear!
1: This made me think of uh, this is final tap. Okay, mind. I was thinking um,
0: episode title maybe beautiful sausages, and then I realised <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> this is a crap sausage. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yes, so have a have a wonderful, lovely, and materialist and. Uh, kind of gluttonous and in every other way sinful Christmas well I'm going
0: to wish you a Um, virtuous Christmas wear your chastity belts uh, and eat turkey but only the right amount of it you know Thomas Aquinas was uh, obsessed with gluttony and all the different ways you could be gluttonous and he was like fat people don't have the monopoly on gluttony Uh, it's weird that that's the bit that we don't really learn about these days in philosophy so, Sorry. yes, I'm I going to have to say uh, from the monist point of view that there is only the mind. So have an idealistic Christmas in the sense of Bishop George Barclay, who was observed to yeah. live in Harris Manchester yeah. College, Oxford.
1: <laughs> have a, yeah, have a Christmas that is uh, perfectly designed to ensure the maximum possible psychological well-being.
0: Yeah. Goodbye, everyone.
1: Goodbye. From America! Yeah, America, baby!
0: Woo-hoo. Rule Britannia. Just remember that. <laughs> and Ben will cover uh, it in a bit more detail later. Let me just tell you a fun experiment about how you test the implicit awareness in neglect, because this is the sort of thing that Rammer is trying to do here. Um... What you do, you show a patient two houses, a picture of two houses. Um, And because Mm. they have hemispatial neglect, they neglect the left side of the houses. So you have two houses kind of on top of each other on the page. The right side, which is the side that they can consciously see, you draw it so that it looks identical. And on the left side, you draw one of the houses being on fire and the other one just fine. So you say to the people with neglect, oh, are these houses the same? And they say yes. And they look at you like you're an idiot. Or at least they look at the right hand side of you like that bit is an idiot uh, (laughs) because that's the bit they can focus on. Uh, You ask them, so which would you rather live in? And they say, well, it doesn't matter. They're the same. And you press them uh, in a procedure known as forced choice, which sounds a lot worse than it is.
2: It's should just like maybe, demanding an answer as opposed to like waterboarding.
0: Yeah, should maybe you be used in politics, like in Australia? But you know what, they happens <laughs> is you say, pick one, just top or bottom, top of bottom. Just tell me, and eventually they get fed up and they tell you. And way above chance, they pick the house that is not on fire because mm. part of them, subconsciously, implicitly, can tell that the house is on fire. <laughs> well, um, to close. I'll just do one more, one more field, one more (laughs) delusion slash uh, acquired brain injury slash neurosociology
2: mystery that he done solved.
0: Oh yeah, well, to an extent, I mean, there's more work in this field because it's all about the Capgras delusion. Um, It's almost—it's very straightforward to describe what it is, and almost impossible to explain how it works. So, Hmm. Capgras is where you believe that your loved ones have been replaced with imposters. Uh, they might be aliens or clones, robots, people in disguise. Uh you believe that the people closest to you are sometimes malicious imitators. So there's been if a you're a
2: hipster then that's quite likely.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Why would you be an imposter otherwise? Um and now so someone tried to explain uh that it was the opposite of the condition prosopagnosia. Lots of Greek in this episode. um, But uh, prosopagnosia is where you fail to recognise faces that you actually know. Um, You know, your wife's face, for example. You wouldn't recognise it. Um, And uh, if you test someone with their kind of bodily emotional responses, skin conductance usually, Uh, to these faces it shows a covert emotional response to the faces you know even if you're just like i don't know which one i know you can't name them and this Mm -hmm. was first used on criminals actually the criminal says you know oh i don't have any accomplices but you suspect they have an accomplice you show them a set of photos in sequence with the uh, galvanic skin conductance on Mm. and you know uh it's considered a certain amount of forensic proof if they react emotionally to seeing their um, confederate you know the person they're working with which is pretty interesting interesting application of this that they then decided
2: like there might be a fair few confounds but uh, yeah, well, I someone mean, that pictures was like one of their mortal enemies
0: I, I assume that you don't mix it up with anyone hopefully they know and yeah. if so it would still give you an interesting thing on the case I think that's the thing Is I'd quite like them to bring out a version of L.A. Noire that's in the modern day and you can use all the like, ridiculous science <laughs> techniques
2: it but would yeah. seem a little bit too much like a block practical the way this is going mm, yes
0: i suppose you're <laughs> right um so in the Capgras delusion what happens is you don't show that emotional response but you can successfully identify people so it's <laughs> the opposite in that sense of prosopagnosia um and so there's a mismatch between the emotional visual information and the recognition visual information and so that is a mismatch which is like one of those words that they love in this field and it's uh Something that would need explaining, and so uh, he, he's like, so Ramachandran is like, "Hello. Um, the uh, left hemisphere will explain this all, and uh, the, uh, right hemisphere detec- the right hemisphere detector the uh, right hemisphere detector, if it's damaged, isn't going to go, "No, it's probably not imposters, because that is not a thing." So, Ramachandran, trying to prove this, um, went and looked at a patient who was a Brazilian known as DS. And his parents brought him to Ramachandran because he had Capgras, and uh, in unusual form. He thought his parents were imposters, Mm. but that they were imposters who had been hired by his real parents to look after him. Ah, that's kind of of nice in a way. But the other unusual thing was that he recognised them just fine when they spoke to him on the phone. Only when mm. he saw them did he think they were imposters. Um, and with Ramachandran's study, they discovered that he also had Capgras for photographs of himself. He'd look at himself huh. and go, "Oh, that's that's the other me. Mm. That's that guy with the mustache who looks like me." Mm. But if he looked in a mirror, he didn't have mirror agnosia in the sense that he knew that it was another person. Mm. I mean, not another person. He knew it was himself and not another person. Although sometimes he said that he had uh, two sets of hair. And sometimes he said that there was, like, more than one Brazil or more than one USA. So right. he has this weird kind of... Well, I think the technical term is reduplicative paramnesia, where your brain just starts copying things. And Capgras is this really specific example. Okay. Anyway, at this point, it... Uh, got not just interesting but epic because ds's father had watched ramachandran's tv show because for the phantom limb stuff he got a tv show
2: and it's a great tv show Mm, go watch amazing
0: and uh, so ds had seen that through some sort of trickery the phantom limb had been alleviated and Mm. ds's father all credit to him was like i know my son has a totally unrelated condition but what if there is a trick I can play on my son that will... This guy seems of like religion? he would probably
2: be the one to ask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he marched in to see Dias, father, and said, You're right. That man you've been seeing was an imposter. I have sent him away to China, and I am your real father, here to see you at last. And guess what? <laughs> it worked, but only <laughs> for a bit. Oh. That's oh, the well. thing with so many of these amazing cures is sometimes hmm. they are short-term. And maybe he'd have to keep doing it if the... Uh,
2: example of the phantom limbs is to be followed mm. although that was kind of like you did it for a while and then eventually kind of you you readjust
0: yeah well you know it's just his father keeps doing it every time he goes back to think he's an imposter mm-hmm. i'm back it's a quite amazing thing so i, I like his father as
2: you know <laughs> that's this... kind of cool in and of itself you worry though that i mean someone who knows that they have a phantom limb and is kind of you know uh experiences pain in it you can take the box and can try and kind of trick themselves with it on a repeated basis. But kind of like it, it, it's much more of a sort of higher sort of cerebral problem that they have. It's unlikely that if the, if their father, if his father goes in every day and it's like, I have sent that other imposter away, you yeah. know, the, that we had before he's gone to join them in China. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually uh, DS was it? Yeah. is going to be like, hmm i think maybe the imposters have turned malicious
0: (laughs) do you think that would happen i mean i mean there's only one way to find out i imagine if there's anyone who's going to do it it'll be ramachandran in 10 years time or something but so ramachandran did some experiments they showed him some faces in photograph and asked him about them and he had this tendency to claim that the same person was more than one person even if it was just because their eyes were pointing a different way And so what Ramachandran was suggesting is that he was erroneously generating new files, as it were, every time he saw the same person. The thing is, there is some problems with that idea, because he believes the imposter is one continuous person. So what is it that's setting off this file generation? Well, Ramachandran reckons it's Mm. the lack of emotional response. Like when you're seeing photographs, his visual system is clearly a little bit damaged. So they're different enough that he's like whoa new file when you see a person there's so much coherent information there that the mismatch that is enough to set off the new file button instead of the update file button is uh because of this emotional lacking mm. um and yeah there's, there's just so much more data face to face and that's why in a mirror he doesn't redo duplicate himself because you've got the flow but in a photograph he does because it's quite limited in this information Huh. And so Ramachandra suggests what's happening in this case of Capgras, and maybe in all cases of Capgras, it's very rare, so it's really hard to study and generalize. It's a partial disconnect between the high level visual area known as IT, um, which is like way up there where you're identifying really unique objects, and the limbic system, the emotional system, as it were. Where, you know, let's not argue about what the limbic system is this week. But um, at this point, they uh, put in
2: a quick rejection of Freud. Uh, <laughs> pardon my just you yeah. know for uh for for for, for sigmunds and giggles
0: <laughs> yes exactly um that because people used to say kapkara was an oedipal complex mm. because if you were like my mother and father are imposters it removes the anxiety for being attracted to the mother and being afraid of the father huh. um so ramachandran's just like Here's how I explain why it's not Freud. What about people who say their dog has been replaced by an imposter? <laughs> Which suggests that Ramachandran really is an optimist about the
2: sexual proclivities
0: of mankind.
2: <laughs> and I'm sure, like, Freud, were he alive, would have been right back at him. But uh, so, so this whole, like, copying thing, it's basically like the problems we incessantly encounter using Dropbox. Like, <laughs> if, if the inferior temporal cortex is like tim's contribution to the podcast planning and the limbic system is my contribution then anytime any of us does something with a file while the other one's trying to do it then our computer is like poor ds and is like oh god there's a slight disconnect between these two systems i must make another file then you end up with three different versions of the uh, podcast planning yeah. analogy
0: that's a good analogy and it shows you something about the real nitty-gritty of how we actually do this thing someone was amazed <laughs> that we did this via skype yeah a lot of people it. i've spoken to are like just like it's wizardry it's like you're not doing it in the same room i'm like wow it shows the sound quality is better than i imagined
2: i uh, i spoke to a guy a friend of mine who is uh did a, a, a undergraduate in journalism at westminster uh and has been on like radio shows and is trying to start his own podcast And he was like, are you sure you don't use a studio? And we were like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I haven't noticed anyone sneaking around with mic leads. Maybe my window is actually like one of those two-way mirrors and there are a bunch of producers sitting behind it.
0: Well, if so, can they help me with the editing this week? (laughs) My goodness, I'm going to need it. But yeah, Mm -hmm. the final issue that DS had, uh, which again, Rama decides, I think this can explain something. Uh, He had a problem with taxonomy. And basically, he over-identified people as either Jews or Catholics, um, which Do you again mean taxonomy. Yeah, did I not say that? Sorry, you ta- said taxonomy. Oh, sorry, taxonomy. Which is a
2: kind of underwater thing with tendrils.
0: Uh, I meant taxation. <laughs> oh, too heavily taxed. No, so he would just be like, "That guy, that's a Jew. That guy, that's a Catholic. That guy, that's a Jew." It's just like, "Why are you bringing this up?" So <laughs> Ramachandran's like, "I think this that's might." a dog. <laughs> Ramachandran's like, "I think this might explain." all of racism <laughs> because uh, if you have one bad experience with someone who is not of your own ethnicity you over identify into that taxon of people who aren't my ethnicity who are nasty like every other race yep um which is like, just like oh great not anything to do with this particular thing but interesting and maybe ben you'll be able to tell me if it's correct but well, you know it's plausible. I mean-
2: I can't tell you this any specifics, but it, it is ringing many, many racist bells. Um, as in, uh, it definitely sounds quite similar to a lot of theories that you get in intergroup conflict literature about kind of um, in-group favoritism versus out-group derogation. And you kind of like, homogenizing our groups and you could see how that would work like across different groups so you'd be like well they're all not me so i'll treat them all as kind of the same thing yeah uh certainly yeah certainly makes sense to me
0: so you know is suggesting that there's the potential for if we're having you know emotional issues that disconnect from cognitive issues why we might lead to racism so yeah that's that study so uh
2: So, um... You just made some funny noises. Yes, I'm sorry. My internet is is being terribly naughty at the moment. All right,
0: I just thought you would like... It sounded like you were kind of wiping a window. Ah, I'm sure there's not uh, a window cleaner there next to you. uh, You're
2: polishing a mirror, maybe. Well, I I do have uh, hemispatial neglect, so there might be. Uh, (laughs) um, No, so uh, it was actually me uh, wiping a glass against my microphone. um, Because my microphone is next to my face. Uh... (laughs)
0: Come on, I mentioned mirrors. Yeah, that no, was like a, sorry. That was, I, was, was, I was tossing the there uh, was a, cane back. There was
2: a moment of silence there, an awkward pause, because I had to cough loudly and then have a drink. Oh, um, right, sorry. So I
0: assume that silence is just you, like, you know, expressing your disapproval at something I've said? Usually, I really
2: but not this week. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. If anything, quite the reverse for the aforementioned cough-laugh correlation. Uh, sure. However, you did mention mirrors. You also mentioned... Uh, the fact that uh, damage to the right parietal lobe and neglect are often uh, associated with the and you also mentioned the kind of difficulty with metaphorical and non-literal literal language that people with right hemisphere defects have, all of which lead me semi-neatly to um, <laughs> another set of studies by Ramachandran, which um, are wonderful and mad in their awesomeness as all of his stuff is so as tim mentioned uh, a while ago now it seems um uh <laughs> so, long ago. so long ago this is a long episode um wh- uh, a condition associated with damage to the right uh, hemisphere is hemispatial neglect um, which I will briefly describe for you now because it kind of leads into this study which I'm going to talk about, which is te- uh, in, intriguingly titled mirror agnosia. So, uh, neglect occurs when, uh, often in patients who experience brain damage to the right parietal lobe, so kind of the top part of the right hemisphere. Um it is. This is why it's often kind of comorbid with anosognosia because it's right hemisphere damage. What it results in, as Tim uh, uh, explained using the medium of Doctor Who, is that it uh, is an inability to attend to any stimuli in the left half of your visual field. Now, Tim described the the burning house. Uh, test of this. Another classic way of, ju- uh, of testing whether someone has neglect is called line bisection. If you draw a line uh, on a piece of paper in front of them and ask to them to bisect it, i.e. to draw a line uh, across it in the very centre, if they have neglect, then they will... Um, the line that they draw will be significantly kind of shifted to one side because they're only able to attend to half the line. So because strokes... Uh, can be of different sizes and uh, cause slightly different uh, amounts of damage. Uh, neglect manifests itself, as I say, in slightly different ways. Uh, this can be, for example, uh, only dressing the left side of the body or only putting makeup or on or only shaving the left side of the face. Uh, it can be only drawing the left half of objects, like a classic example is only drawing like the left half of a, fl- uh, a flower or the numbers on... Um, the left half of a clock face. Uh, I've been saying that completely wrong. It's only dressing the right side of the body and only... I, I, was, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I was just realising this. I was just like, wait, isn't the neglect of the left hemisphere
2: hemifields is, more common? This is why it gets so confusing talking about this, because it's damaged the right parietal lobe, which means they can't see the left hemisphere, which means that they can do stuff in the right hemisphere. You get very...
0: Why does everything
2: have to be contralateral? I know. It's so annoying. God, why did you make us this way? Anyway, Um <laughs> Uh all right would you like to start again on <laughs> anyway yeah so they only dress the right side of their body they only put makeup on they only shave the right side of the face they only draw the right half of objects um they only uh you know uh only uh, bisect they bisect a line slightly um offset to one side um interestingly even within those like uh different t- sort of manifestations of it there can be even subdivisions so two different neglect patients asked to draw a clock um one of them might draw uh, a circle with the numbers one to six uh, because that's the right hand side whereas the other one will try and fit all 12 numbers onto the uh, right kind of half of the clock and kind of scrunch them all up yeah um you also get a very uh, you also get cases of sort of imagined neglect, as in they uh, participants who are unable to describe the right uh, they're unable to describe. Let me get this straight. The left half of uh, mental images. So uh, I, there's a very cool study um, if memory serves by uh, s- uh, researchers called Biziach and Luzi- Luzati, but I might have got that wrong.
0: I mean this- is well in okay. possibly the person who first kind of properly described it in about
2: the 90s so this may or may not be the case anyway uh who says we go for accuracy in this podcast basically <laughs> they uh they were describing neglect in a group of patients who uh were in a hospital in i think it was milan in Italy, um and they asked them to describe the vista uh from their, the window of their hospital looking out over this big plaza uh, and as expected the, the participants only described uh, the right half of the scene. They then asked them to imagine going out of the hospital and walking around to the opposite side of the plaza and looking back uh, towards the, the same area and describe what they saw This time, once again, they described the right half of their mental image which was obviously the opposite side, the other side of the plaza. So in total, they described the whole thing. It's just when they were at a particular perspective, they could only describe half of it. So they clearly had all the knowledge. They just weren't able to attend to it, which is really interesting.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: So this particular case, the cases that Ramachandran is talking about in this mirror agnosia study are four patients. Uh, they're all quite old, between 63 and 87, if you are interested, which I doubt. Um,
0: Well, it's because that's the age where you're likely to get strokes, isn't it? This is
2: true. Uh, And they all present with uh, various um, variations of hemispatial neglect. Um, Now, uh, in describing these patients, uh, Ramachandran in the article uh, provides the following description of their mental faculties, which is obviously quite important when you're dealing with elderly patients to ensure that everything is kind of as it should be. Uh, a mental status check revealed all, partisan, all patients to be mentally quite lucid with no hint of dementia, aphasia or amnesia. In fact, they seemed quite conversationally fluent, brackets, at least by American standards. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, little little nuggets of, of wonderful psychological joy it's peppered throughout his work. And that is one of those. I seem to remember there's xenophobia.
0: one. There's one where... Um, Ramachandran meets a fellow who is like surprisingly chatty in that same way and says all this stuff that's not quite racist that's just like oh I didn't expect that an Indian person like you would be a doctor but it turns out you're amazing I must have been wrong about Indians for all of these years you know it's just like I better change my ways now I've met you Ramachandran it's like Oh yeah, you put that in for scientific reasons, didn't you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Send it to Miles; he'd love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, my supervisor works in uh, intergroup conflict. Unnecessary knowledge, anyway. So, works
0: in. He's <laughs> the king of it, man. Uh,
2: <coughs> Sorry. Silence. Coughing fit. Uh, yeah. So these patients uh, were, as might be expected, from people with like large strokes and neglect in beds or wheelchairs in a hospital. And what uh, Ramachandran and his confederates did was they went up to the patient and they held a small like two foot high mirror on the patient's right hand side. You you probably want to visualize this because I'm going to struggle to describe it correctly. So the mirror was on their right hand side. So they knew that the mirror was there because it was on the right hand side. And so to check that everything was fine, they asked the patients what it is, and all of them said, it's a mirror, duh. Uh, And they asked them to look in the mirror, so by turning their head to the right and looking into the mirror, and asked them to describe something about themselves, like their makeup or their glasses. And all of them were able to do this fine, because whilst maybe they weren't able to see the right, or weren't able to attend to maybe the left half of the image in the mirror, they could still see enough to describe what was going on. Then what happens was uh, another experimenter who was kind of standing behind the participants and to their left uh, held out uh, either a pen or a candy bar kind of to their on their left hand side whilst they were looking into the mirror so that the arm and the experimenter and the candy bar and the pen were all coming into view in the mirror uh, so that the participant could see them. And they asked the participants if they could see the pen or the candy bar and all the participants were like, yep, I can see it. It's coming because it was emerging from behind them. So in the mirror, it was coming out of the right visual field so they could see it. Uh, Then what they did was asked the participants to reach out and take the pen and without fail, all the four participants tried to reach into the mirror (laughs) they so in some cases i I suppose i shouldn't laugh but it's kind of ridiculous it's It's, it's not it's funny peculiar not funny heart. yes um uh they uh, so some of them would just like reach for the mirror and then bump into it and be confused some of them uh were like hey you're holding it you're holding it too far away hold it closer some of them like reached around the mirror and like grappled with the experiment wearing the mirror on like their belt, Uh, often cases, the person holding the mirror was Ramachandran and they were just like going for his belt (laughs) or tie. Um, and yeah, all of them did this. And often uh, uh, again and again, in in one case on 10 consecutive occasions, they did the same test and it happened again and again and again. And they, they then controlled this experiment by placing the mirror in front of the participant. um, And holding the pen uh, behind their right shoulder. So that with the mirror in front of them, the pen would appear on the right half of their visual field. uh, And then they would be asked to reach for it. And they could reach behind their right shoulder and grab it. So this presents a really nice kind of dissociation. Uh, They can see the object. They know that the object exists. But they can't quite make the kind of logical deduction regarding its actual location in the world. So uh, Ramachandran presents kind of two possible explanations for this, one of which he seems to be kind of pushing, which is that this is a symptom of the neglect. And the explanation is since the reflection is in the mirror uh, and they can see it and they know how mirrors work, they know that the pen must be on their left. Yeah. But because left as a concept doesn't actually exist in their kind of world, Therefore, yeah. the pen must be in the mirror. Right. So left left as a thing is just like non-existence, which is really interesting. Um, the other argument is that it's a, a, a consequence of their brain damage, but not specific to the ne- their neglect. Um, and it could be to do with uh, the fact, as you mentioned, that uh, people with right hemisphere damage tend to have trouble with non-literal language. So right. the idea of saying the phrase grab the pen... Could maybe mean that they were like, they were interpreting that as grab the pen that you can see or grab the image of the pen, um, okay. and it's kind of like this literal mindedness. Um, I, that I mean, that seems to me to be kind of a weaker hypothesis. But he, he does, well, put it doesn't. Kind much. of
0: saying that the the mirror is like a metaphor of the thing. It
2: yeah, and they reflects. have difficult difficulty processing that metaphor. Um,
0: okay, because it's just interesting that there are other cases of people with problems with mirrors mm. f- for different reasons um and they think that the person in the mirror for example is a different person and isn't them
2: yeah um so that was it hasn't gone as far as that they know
0: what a mirror is
2: yeah and they were very keen uh, as you as you heard they were very keen to establish that the participants were i mean the, uh, they described the mirrors as having a wooden frame and having dust on them so it isn't Bright. even like this is a perfectly polished uh, no. pane portal to another dimension. It's obviously yeah. a wooden mirror, uh, glass mirror with wood. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, quite hard to make <laughs>
0: a very polished wooden mirror. <laughs>
2: um, so they this raised a couple of questions. Um, like, would it? This confusion extend to their own body parts? Uh, would it happen if they were imagining looking in a mirror? Um okay. or. Maybe if it's to do with like, because uh, the dorsal visual stream uh, is uh, a particular part of the visual system is used for kind of processing how to deal with objects in the world, kind of like how to pick them up, how, where they are, what, how they're moving, that kind of thing. Maybe if that's involved, if they close their eyes briefly um, and having seen the pen, then close their eyes because their visual system kind of knows where it is. Maybe it could do the work and tell them to like reach behind them. Uh, and that it's kind of the, the, the visual feedback that they're getting, that's confusing things. Um, or maybe could they train, could they be trained out of it if they were given like constant experimental feedback? Um, yeah. and there, would that maybe have therapeutic consequences for their neglect? You know, if they're starting with something really basic. Um, yeah. cause uh, I mean a problem with like, if someone has neglect, you tell them to draw a flower, they only draw half a flower and you're like, no, no, draw the other half of the flower you you're kind of stuck there's no way you can move on from that you can't be like yeah. okay put the pen on the paper and then move it left or whatever yeah whereas with this you could be like raise your left hand assuming that they can attend to things on their left yeah so yeah another really cool study by ramachandran
0: yeah. and again and it's like another i mean they aren't related fields but they're certainly not like you can spend your life's work on any one of them yeah
2: And he does them all.
0: Okay, yeah, here's something epic. It is a guy who swapped the heads of monkeys. Oh, good. Excellent. (laughs) Brilliant. Wonderful. Okay. It was bound to happen at some point. That kind of spoils this nice introduction I've written. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, Robert White, who is another recent casualty of the human condition, by which I mean (laughs) being mortal, uh, Robert White had three doctorates of science. Now, it's quite hard to become... One doctor of science they don 't give them out to anyone, although they do give them out to some dubious people
2: that was discussed in previous podcasts
0: <laughs> yeah, disgusting in previous podcasts um, anyway, yes, Robert White was a surgeon who did ten thousand operations and published over nine hundred papers what nine oh, hundred there's no way that can be right, can it uh you know uh in the original Japanese, what that line is from uh, Dragon Ball Z? It,
2: is it over 900 papers? Or no, what? no, no.
0: It's over 8,000. <laughs> over 9,000 is a mistaken translation. And all of the <laughs> other like languages have translated it properly. So in every language but English, it's <laughs> over 8,000. <000. laughs>
2: I'm really glad that that is on, the case. Like the
0: Dragon Ball Z wikia, which I looked up when I was trying to make sure I got the quote absolutely right. Um, <laughs> that says well it could be over eight thousand and nine thousand like <laughs> no because if it was over nine thousand then you wouldn't say it's over eight thousand it's nine thousand five hundred uh so yeah i feel betrayed by the english translators of dragon ball z a show of which i've never watched but the memes are what are important um Yeah, but Robert White is not going to be remembered for being that hard worker. He's going to be remembered for the guy who figured out how to do head transplants. (laughs) Um, Yeah, people have literally called him Dr. Frankenstein which shows this intriguingly limited understanding of the Shelley original, because they do realise that Frankenstein's the doctor, but not realising that there's a difference between swapping heads in an attempt to cure paraplegia and creating life from dead bodies. (laughs) Now, technically, uh, Robert White was not the first person to do this. That honour goes to Vladimir Demikov, who was the pioneer of transplantation in general. He directed uh, one Professor Konevsky to attempt a heart transplant on a puppy. This was before any heart transplants would be done. The puppy was injured in a car accident uh, on the way to having the experimental heart transplant. Oh, no. But this is what the, uh, the internet says. They'd got the operating table sterilized and Konevsky didn't want to waste it. So he decided to transplant a bit of the puppy that wasn't damaged. Oh no! Which was the head.
2: Oh god! Yeah,
0: there's a reason that aren't uh, no animals ha- <laughs> were harmed in the making of this podcast was a one episode thing only. <laughs> but yeah, wow. um, the the kind of somewhat horrifying thing about it is that Konevsky and Demikov uh, were not like fringe evil scientists. And these guys were at the forefront of Soviet and global scientists. Oh, good. And uh, Demikov created living two-headed dogs, um, the scientific version of Cerberus. But he was acknowledged by Christian Barnard, who was the man who did the first ever heart transplant,
2: as his teacher. You know, these guys were not on the edge. One wonders whether the the two-headed dog was a, a, a regular dog with kind of a sort of lolling head hanging from the side of its neck, or whether it was a functional head in any way.
0: I assume it was a functional head because white went to, uh, Demikov's lab and learnt about that procedure and then went back to the USA, uh, to perfect the process. So he took um, one monkey head. It sounds like a terrible recipe, which is <laughs> recipe
2: Delia's transplant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, can't be as bad as her f- seafood risotto. Um, that's joke circa about what? 2008 or something. Yeah. Um, He took one monkey head, secured the blood supply, which is something they hadn't actually invented at that point. You know, he had to invent a system that could preserve, like, you know, blood and breathing before we actually used it regularly, um, and then put it onto the body of another monkey. Now, this monkey awoke and was able to look at things. So it was conscious. Mm. Not too happy, though. Ah. Uh, And uh, for one thing, the neural connections from the brain to the spine could not, and still cannot, be made um and so it was you know the paralyzed head of a monkey on top of the paralyzed body of a monkey i guess um huh. the monkey suddenly awakened became very pugnacious <laughs> now there is a classic monster movie story
2: it, <laughs> i think i'd be quite
0: pugnacious in that it circumstance became very dangerous with its teeth uh <laughs> and then the rage virus decimated yeah, the united not... states or america <laughs>
2: Monkey might have been dangerous with its teeth, but not as dangerous as the neuroscientist with the scalpel who just beheaded it.
0: Do you think they used a scalpel for a beheading? Have you ever tried to use a scalpel for a beheading? (laughs) Well, now that you mention it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, actually, I'm trying to look up films, because obviously we want to see them in films. Head transplants, not as common as you would think. Most of the time, it's just like an android body, because why not have two crazy, impossible technologies? (laughs) So the most clear example is a film called... Who is Julia? Oh. Which no one has ever heard of.
2: And I was going to say Mars Attacks, um, but...
0: Oh, yeah. But, swapping the head with a dog. I'd forgotten about
2: yeah, that. It's probably the closest it comes. I, rem- I seem to recall, like, Piers Brosnan's head on something weird, uh, but I can't yeah, remember it's exactly like what. Yeah,
0: Barrymore and Piers Brosnan get their heads all mixed up.
2: Yeah.
0: I love that just, stuff. <laughs> just for it's like ridiculously now stellar cast list who <laughs> just gets killed off brutally... Because yeah. they weren't famous at the time. Has Tom Jones in it, man? Oh, yeah, Tom Jones
2: <laughs> has himself. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, um, we're becoming somewhat tangential again. Yeah, white,
0: you know, um, wanted to use it to transfer paraplegic people's brains to brain dead bodies, mm. um, uh, because if he could make some kind of neural interface, which obviously uh, I think you've got some more on later. Um, It would be bringing life back to people, you know, fully able life back to people who were really severely disabled. Now, the first monkey that White did it on died after a few days. But White didn't let that stop him. He worked harder until he got to the point where these monkeys could actually live indefinitely. Now, uh,
2: still like paraplegic.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, what's weird is he he never had the chance to kind of move on and develop this research. Uh, and the reason that we haven't really heard about it until trying to look up crazy things, uh, for this, uh, week's, um, podcast is because the program was canceled. All the monkeys were euthanized uh, and the whole department
2: was shut down, which is a great way to start a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the fact that all the monkeys were euthanized is not, is unfortunately not entirely surprising. No. Given that is, uh, standard up when it comes to um experiments which drastically reduce the kind of quality of life of an animal yeah um,
0: but it does somewhat yeah, suggest that the point. whole project is being erased though and actually the research was funded by the u.s government because demikov was considered a threat in the cold war he was advancing soviet science beyond the usa and who right. knew how useful two-headed animals might be in fighting the uh, damned capitalists
2: yeah, I, uh, a two-headed dog is going to survive significantly better against a nuclear bomb than a one-headed dog.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, if anything, you've got the cause and effect mixed up there. But <laughs> yeah, um, if, uh, if only they had worked harder on this research, they might have actually been, doing, been able to do something useful with uh, JFK. Oh, oh, oh. What, too soon? <laughs> but no, no, just imagine it. Imagine too bleak. <laughs> imagine the cunning of Nixon with the handsomeness of Kennedy. Because that was the thing. On the radio, Nixon wins the debates. And on the TV, Kennedy wins the debates. It's the best of both worlds.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to apply that to the current, like, uh, runners in the current political uh, election. I guess what you could do is, for the Republican candidates, you could, like, extract the head of Michelle Bachmann.
0: And that would be, that's the end of the thing.
2: Yeah, that's the end (laughs) of the
0: thing. (laughs) I would say, put the brain of Mitt Romney into anyone else. So that he can just <laughs> pretend to be anyone else, because he is the most reasonable and electable Republican, but for some reason all the Republicans hate him. So you get rid of all the Republican hate, but still have a reasonable Republican candidate. I mean, the guy introduced healthcare before Obama did. He must be better than all of the other choices. <laughs> Actually, it's anyway, anyway. to talk about the Republicans. I think I've got a joke about Herman Cain later. Oh, wow. But yeah, to add to to the conspiracy theory, he wasn't just defended from animal rights extremists who targeted him by the FBI, but also by the Secret Service. The Secret Service has two jobs, right? Defend (laughs) the president and stop counterfeiting of money.
2: Three jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Defend the president, stop counterfeiting of money and defending weird experiments. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Who knew? Now, uh, when
0: um, White visited... Russia, to learn from Demikov, he stood in room 19 of Moscow's Institution of the Brain, which is where they keep the pickled lobes of Russia's greatest minds. And in that room, he handled Lenin's cerebellum. (laughs) I'm so envious
2: of that. I don't even know why. (laughs) That's something worth being envious of. I mean, it's not having a dinosaur named after you, but it's still pretty cool yeah exactly it's
0: just like oh hi guys uh yeah uh, i've touched lenin's cerebellum <laughs> without it he'd never been able to you know start global communism <laughs> you sure it wasn't that? like he named the monkey lenin just so that <laughs> say that. i imagine that there was a lot of that during the war you just name you know people name animals either things they love or things they hate right <laughs> that makes sense uh, yeah so um Incidentally, during this research, White discovered that you can use coal to preserve a living body. You know, induced hypothermia. That was Robert White. Oh. Very yeah. useful thing. Used, well, not regularly, but used now. Um, yeah. Also learned that brains are immunologically privileged, so it means if you could do a transplant, there'd be no danger of rejection. Huh. It's all just amazing. Um, yeah. Basically, the reason that this hasn't gone any further is because of uh, objections. Um, yeah. Now. I happen to think that, you know, uh, I do have some problems with this research, not from a kind of bioethics point of view, so much as if the technique was perfected, what sort of people are going to get used as host bodies? Mm
2: -hmm. You know, my issues
0: are societal and political, I think.
2: That is, unfortunately, this is also going to become a theme of the the stuff that I'm going to talk about later, although possibly if this ends up in a Franken podcast, um, this will seem very weird to be saying, but there's a lot of there's a lot of bioethics involved this week <laughs> yeah it's um, funny how mad science brings that all up yeah odd that um but it is it's a really fascinating top, topic to talk about particularly when it suddenly becomes you know people you know talk, you can you can happily have a kind of navel-gazing debate about the ethics of head transplants in a philosophy class until the the neuroscientist pops in and tells you that someone did it. (laughs) And then suddenly it takes on a rather more urgent tone. Yes,
0: I suppose so. Um, But yeah, um, obviously one of the big problems with it is the paraplegia, which is the whole thing it was designed to cure. One of White's biggest fans, a guy called Dr. Harold Hillman, is trying to invent what he calls brain glue, which is one way around the problem. Um, but he hasn't really got that far. Someone did make a documentary about White, because he's kind of been overlooked, uh, Mm. and he said, real mad scientists are not lone wolves like in the movies. Mm. That he seems like a mad scientist, but he was backed up by the government, by the Harvard Medical School. You know, it was very much Mm. just a thing of its time. Uh, And while we're kind of talking about bioethics, uh, it's worth noting that, Pretty much all the objections to this were from the treatment of animals point of view that it was considered cruel uh, Mm. because White was a uh, very strong Catholic, uh, a member of the Vatican's rather well-qualified science institute, uh, because Mm. apparently a lot has changed since Galileo. And indeed, he actually met the Pope, uh, John Paul II, I believe, to talk about his work. Um, You know, John Paul was interested, although a bit freaked out. (laughs) Which, I mean, that's the... And not... Unreasonable reaction because basically White said, "Look, uh, I I could change, I could move someone's soul from one body to another body," and the Pope was like, "Oh, that's very interesting, if a little weird." <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I just think it's an interesting touch that seems to be included in all of this. It's like his mm. point of view on it was not, "Oh, I'm a diabolical mastermind." It was like, "I want to do this for very good reasons." Uh, and I believe that for, you know, the people's spiritual well-being,
2: I will swap their heads. <laughs> Man, people like developing ridiculously advanced science with perfectly good intentions has never gone wrong. <laughs> uh, poor... Certainly not in the context of the Cold War. I was going to say, yeah, poor, or poor... <laughs> w- whatever one it was,
0: not Rutherford. Was it Rutherford? The one who said, I am become death, the destroyer of
2: worlds. Oh, uh, yeah. I know, the it's one not, you mean. Rutherford. I can't remember. Anyway, who it is. anyway.
1: 4289. There, that's the voicemail pin number. Uh, I'll just leave a message for my secret stuff. Harry Gosh, I hope the papers never find out about our peer-reviewed romps where we do naughty roleplay, suggesting that the Medial Temple, though, is homogenous function. Ah, hey Larry, Uh giving you an exciting voicemail. I love you really, the public, let us be. Speak soon.
0: Kisses. Bye. Mwahaha. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know that I, a News International hired detective, have been sent to hire akin to his voicemail and find any lurid tabloid splashes. I can see the headlines now. No smoke without squire. Fell falls in love. And no one can stop us. Not even the satirical might of Zaltzman and Oliver can destroy News Corp. Mw-a-ha-ha-ha. Wait, I do hope I didn't leave this recording. Beep.